Welcome to Pandora's Diary, a place where I share my thoughts and hopefully encourage you to learn and live on your own terms. Today's episode is Where We Belong. So I was considering where we belong as I began to think about my particular place within the demographic that I fit into as well as an individual. I think that in so much of life, all we are really trying to do is find a way back to ourselves, to understand who we are as individuals and find comfort in in that and find confidence in being who we are. But see, it's hard because we also, on some level, want acceptance from others, from other humans, and that leads us back to groupings. And so there's constantly a struggle for, do you change yourself to receive acceptance from the group, or do you embrace who you are to your core to receive a level of self-confidence and self-love that is rarely ever found in any single human. And so this is what I was considering with where we belong. If you don't define yourself for yourself, you'll be crushed into others' fantasies of you and eaten alive. And this is a part of that, where there has to be a balance between who you are as the individual and who you adapt to being to fit into the group. And this is not a new concept. Many of our laws were crafted around needing to fit in to society, needing to be able to coexist. But some of that is less of coexisting. Some of, some of the, the shifting that we do is less of cultural existing and more of just wanting to be long. The laws, when, as, they're, as they're concerned, and I suppose... In in many ways, it's all cultural. How we decide what's right and wrong is all cultural. But in, in terms of the laws, they were all crafted so that we may learn to or be able to coexist with one another as humans. Even if we look the same. I mean, we know that there are wars when people look exactly the same <laughs> to a bystander, but they're still fighting. Because it's inevitable that humans will fight. Inside or outside of demographic groups, we don't really need reasons to fight. We just... We find them. (laughs) And so... You know, the, the rules were created, laws were created to mitigate some of that tension and, and give us all a good baseline with which to interact. This baseline is crafted based on the society that has to live by them. Sometimes it's crafted by religion, which gives people a good guidebook for what is right and what is wrong and how to treat one another, how to coexist, how to enter into certain partnerships. And so when we look at demographic groupings, it's important to consider 
those things that craft who we are religion, culture, upbringing, demographic. And then as you go through life, you try to peel back layers of that to get to your true self. Who would you be without the society that you're in that says that you have to be this way? Who would you be without the religion that you're in that says you have to be this way? Who would you be if you learned and loved yourself the way you are? But of course there's no money in that, so (laughs) why not exploit it, right? There's benefit in people being unhappy with who they are and feeling like they need to conform. That's the thing about being average or having averages. So few people actually meet the standard of what is right there in the middle. And then on top of that, we add in others' perceptions of what it what should be or what is. Others' perceptions of the beauty standards. Others' perceptions of success. When we peel those things back, we get closer to our core selves. And I think that that's where everyone needs to strive to in this life. I think that that's possibly, quite possibly, why we're here on this earth to get closer to our core selves which I believe is a form of divinity we are all divine beings I'm actually not religious not religious I've pieced things together in studying and talking to other people about their religions reading some religious books listening to atheist debates I've I've considered different perspectives and I think that a part of it is that yes we are all divine and I will talk about that in a later episode on why I feel that way and what that means but I think the importance is to get back to our true is to get back to our divinity and that is being who we are unapologetically with self-love and maybe finding a way to coexist with one another. I think that once we embrace who we are and can love that, a lot of the issues that cause us conflict with one another would greatly diminish. Granted, this would happen in in waves. It's not like everybody would just suddenly be happy with who they are and therefore they're kind to one another. No, people are going to approach that threshold at different points which means there's always going to be some level of conflict if new people are born into the world and are receiving layers and layers of clothing the clothing metaphorically being identity they're receiving layers and layers of identity of who they are who they should be but that identity is coming from others it's coming from external sources and then they spend another portion of their life taking those those layers off and so you know we'll have people who come into the cycle and have to go through this in the same way that some of us 
have, and some of us are still learning to. I can't help but give a good thought or a good deal of thinking to demographic groupings. Because obviously practical science, physical science, is it's important to our understanding of society. Scientific developments have made it so that we have a greater understanding of how to survive as humans. And, and we are grateful for that. We rely on one another for that. And, and science has given us a greater understanding of the different demographic groupings. I can't help but think, though, that on one level, science is beneficial and it leads to progress. There are always going to be those who want to use the same information for for not-so-good purposes. I mean, I, I, is that the great balance of society, that most things or most things can be both? Most things can be good and evil, good and bad, depending on how they're used. I think so. And some people will choose to use them for bad. Some people will choose to use them for good. Even something as simple as statistics, it should be... I mean, statistics are just data. That's it. It's just data. We turn them into information because we give them meaning. We interpret the data. And then we have our statistics that we love to quote. And sometimes we can find different ways. Statistics are like letters, and then you use them to put together words that have meaning. And so sometimes you can see that these same letters create one word. And they create another word. And the word that they create is really up to the interpretation of the person who's reading the data. Scientists, on some level, have accounted for this. They have ways of doing things that account for these biases and this inevitable human failure but the problem is scientists aren't the ones who are conveying things to us as individuals it's usually the media who take the scientific studies or a really really small portion of it and divulge what they will to the general population and so the information is hardly ever comprehensive or well-rounded or thoroughly explained it's just given based on what message needs to be conveyed. And so it can make someone skeptical of statistics that they're hearing. Because without understanding the data, the original source data, It's hard to believe and trust in something that we know has been so fallible before. That thing being humans. We we have motives. We have our agendas that will shape how we give information. 
I remember I took a, a course, historical economics, in college, and it was so funny because as a black person, I had to, well, I didn't have to, I just chose to write on the Civil War in America, and that is a big historical spot for America. I mean, I think it has still been, to this date, the most deadly war that America's been in. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that that's that's the case. And one of the big sticking points that people will quote about the war is that it was started because of slavery. The South wanted blacks and enslaved, and the North didn't because they were good and pious. Um, most people, I hope, or at least most black people, know that it's it's much more complicated than that. It was an economics war, which is why I was writing it in economics. It was moral and economic. And I couldn't help but side with, not side with, but the way I was writing the paper almost seemed like I was empathizing with the South. And I couldn't help but be amazed. I couldn't help but be amazed. Um, I didn't didn't change the way I wrote it, but I did include a sentence after I read it all and said, you know, none of this excuses the moral um, the moral damage or the the moral failing of those who still fought for it but doesn't the why matter and I couldn't help but think that I was falling into the trap of looking at something as one person of a demographic the piece of clothing the layer of clothing that I was wearing had given me a certain perspective that wouldn't allow me to receive another perspective. Granted, I can't say that that's actually true for me simply because I ended up writing it from a southernist perspective, from from a civil war. If, if you had read my paper, you would have thought that I was either somebody who had actually lost property in the Civil War, by property I mean slaves, or you would think that I was a descendant of somebody who had lost property. I took myself out of the equation and was looking at it as a person from both sides of, you know, this is wrong, but at the same time, how can we consider this okay, or the freeing of slaves okay, but not the freeing of animals? It becomes a whole ethical debate, which is just, you know, more more spinning in in circles at this point. You could go all day. But I do often think about how much benefit our economic system gets in capitalism, and I don't... in any way blame capitalism it just is what it is this is what society has adapted to adapted to receive as our economic system but it's interesting to see how society benefits from giving us this identity and as we struggle against it and struggle to meet that identity, there is profit to be had. 
society says that you should be able to dance like this, be able to cook like this, be able to achieve this in in your career, be able to do this in terms of relationships. And if you can't, if some part of that doesn't look like what you're able to produce for who you are, and if some part of that doesn't look like what you're able to produce for who you are, well then we have something to help fix you. We can fix you. We can get you to that night niece person that we dressed you up to be. We can help you maintain that. But wouldn't you at some point like to see who you are without all the clothing on? Wouldn't you like to see your naked soul and who you really are without the influence of who you should be? and that you're not good enough. Think about where you belong. In our demographic groupings, think about how we're marketed to because it's easier and more profitable to just figure out the lowest common denominator that makes it easy and market to that particular group, whether it's through politics or products. Let's get back to the way we used to do things in kindergarten where we saw ourselves as individuals. Granted, you know, we might have chosen the same color that everybody else chose, but sometimes we had a little bit more courage back then. Sometimes I feel like we had more courage as kids. Where if there were if there was a vote given in the classroom, you weren't afraid to vote for what you wanted. And that was okay. You didn't put the weight of everyone else's dietary restrictions on your back as a five-year-old when you voted. You said, this is what I want. And the kid who was allergic to peanuts didn't hate you or feel like you wished him death because you said you wanted peanut butter and jelly. This awakening, it starts one person at a time. Sometimes you have to open one eye at a time. Sometimes you have to open them real slowly. But we can do it. We can get there. It just takes courage. Courage to be who you are. Courage to want what you want. And be okay saying that this is who you are. It takes a lot of strength. Because it's going to be a constant battle against the standards of society and marketing that say you have to be something else. That give you fear. That give you uncertainty if you don't measure up to what they say is acceptable. Consider where you're told you belong. And then try to walk back to who you actually are. Start taking off layers. Take off layers to get back to who you organically would be if you didn't care about what other people thought. 
And I think that you'd find the true acceptance, meaningful acceptance, once you get back to that organic you. You'd find people who accept you as you are flaws because they have accepted that they are flawed as well. They can see you, they can feel your pain because the transformation was similar. And they accept you and they understand and maybe they help you work on certain things that you want to work on, that you feel like are holding you back. I believe that there is an internal wisdom that we all have. Again, I'll talk about that in another episode, but this internal wisdom leads us to universal truths. We just have to get back in touch with that. Thanks for listening to Pandora's Diary. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and click the notification bell so you know when new episodes are released.